Hey everybody, welcome to episode 86 of Weighing In with Andy Hamilton and David Mirkatani. I'm Andy Hamilton coming to you from the National Wrestling Hall of Fame Dan Gable Museum in downtown Waterloo, Iowa. Joined on the line by my Weighing In co-pilot, David Mirkatani. David, how are you today? Great, Andy. How are you doing? Doing really well. Really well. We got the uh, group from Allendale, Michigan here at the Gable Museum again this week. Uh, if people aren't familiar with their story, Coach Dwayne Watson brings his program out. Uh, he's been doing it here for a few years now. They come out and they volunteer at the Gable Museum. They do a lot of work around here. It's great having them here. They uh, go to a wrestling camp while they're here in town as well. They pay their own way to give back to wrestling. Great, great thing that they're doing here for uh, service for the sport and uh uh, teaching his kids uh, certainly to give back and think of others as well, and and uh, one of the things that's been really cool about that is while they're while they have been giving, others have been giving to them as well. You know, Dwayne Watson talked about how Cliff Keen outfitted them with new uniforms for this year, the uh, compression or, or the fight shorts and compression tops. That was really cool. Just a ton of. Uh, uh, incredible responses that they received from a video interview that Dwayne and I did uh, last year when they were here. And, and they've uh, done a lot of really cool things around the museum. Uh, today, the, the camp was at Waterloo West High School, Dan Gable's alma mater. Gable came by, talked about uh, growing up uh, you know, right across the street and uh, coming in, getting multiple workouts uh, per day. And uh, just some of the lessons that he learned when he was their age, really cool. We'll have uh, that video of Gable speaking to uh, the team from Allendale, Michigan, as well as uh, Sioux City Helan. They're here as well this week. Uh, so that's really cool stuff, David. Yeah, I, I, it reminds me of a conversation I had with a pretty high-level coach yesterday, and he talked about how there's so much pressure on winning and, you know, the media, we cover the winning. And he said, you know, I think what gets lost sometimes is, just how much good wrestling does for kids, for people, for adults, you know, it's a, a way for a father and son to be together longer. I mean, I love the times I get to coach next to my father and you know, what you're describing there and, you know, a, a guy like Gable giving back and Tom Keen, I love that guy. He's helped us so much, those kind of people. And then that coach and all the, the community putting, you know, putting efforts together to help, these kids, and they're not going to all be national champions or world team members, but they're all going to be better people because of wrestling. And so it's it's a really heartwarming story. I, I love those kind of stories. Yeah, and it's been nice to see that uh, the story has been so popular nationwide, and they receive such a positive response from it. Hopefully we see uh, more high school teams around the country and, and uh, just more people in the wrestling community thinking, that the, thinking the way that they're thinking. And uh, – you know, having a little bit more of a uh, giving heart like these guys do. Uh, it's been tremendous. It's been uh, great having them here. Uh, it's something I look forward to each and uh, each and every year now. I, I know the last year I had to bail out and go up uh, to Minneapolis, uh, uh, up to Sports Engine headquarters the day that they were here after uh, we did the interview. But uh, uh, I, I just... Uh, you know, I look forward to it now. I look forward to the the date when uh, Kyle Klingman tells me, yeah, Allendale's coming this week, and and so it's uh, it's been great. Uh, David, we mentioned the new cycle in college wrestling; it never stops in the wrestling world. It never stops, and it's as busy uh, as any 
time that I can ever remember in mid-June right now, mid to late June. Uh, Cadet duels in the books. PA takes the freestyle title. Illinois wins the Greco title. Junior duels coming up this week. They will be live and on demand on track wrestling. You'll be down in Tulsa. Greco-Roman world team trials down there. Final X State College in the books. Final X Lehigh coming up. We have no shortage of topics to talk about. A lot going on on the college personnel front. Where do you want to start, David? Maybe let's talk about cadet duels and junior duels just because, you know, they they translate pretty well right into each other. I mean, how surprised were you to see Illinois not only not win the tournament in cadet freestyle, but, and it's almost unfair to have that much pressure on a team like that, but that they lost twice and almost lost a third duel. I mean, was that, it was pretty surprising to me. What were your thoughts on that? Well, I think when you reel off what uh, five straight titles in freestyle, you expect, and, and Illinois has built such a powerhouse in the uh, Greco freestyle program at every level now that uh, they certainly have it rolling. You expect them to be in title contention every year. They found a way to uh, win the Greco title last week and, and uh, uh, to see it, uh, you know, I, I knew that they were going to have their hands full with some of the teams that were in there. I thought Pennsylvania had a, a, a roster that was going to be right in the mix to win a title. Uh, and Kansas had a roster. Kansas was the first team to knock off Illinois. And I thought uh, there were some matchups in there where Kansas could certainly win. I didn't know if they would quite have the depth to pull it off, but a uh, heck of an accomplishment for the state of Kansas to uh, win a cadet, win their pool. Uh, they, were, I think, came in as a three seed. They beat, uh, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, memory serves me correct, Georgia and Illinois to win their pool title. So uh, uh heck of an accomplishment for uh, Kansas. But uh, then Pennsylvania, when you start loading up some of the hammers that they have and Carson Manville uh, being front and center on that, uh, boy, they're uh, it's a pretty salty squad. So... Uh, yeah, a little bit surprised. Uh, I think, actually, I would be more surprised if somebody finds a way to take down Illinois this week with the yeah. number of hammers that they have heading to Tulsa for uh, the junior duels. You start talking about some of the accomplishments that those guys have. A couple world team members in there, world champion Will Lawan, uh, cadet world freestyle champion. He also made the uh, cadet world Greco team last year but did not uh, wrestle Greco in Athens, but he won the trials in Greco. Uh, so he's highly accomplished. You got triple crown winner, Tony Cassiope, who's heading to Iowa, Lawan, of course, to Michigan. Uh, Dylan Ragason, cadet world team member in Greco. Uh, just up and down the lineup. I think I counted 14 Fargo All-Americans that they have on their roster for the junior duels. Phenomenal. Yeah, when uh, we do Missouri Border Brawl, we, you know, we have eight states to pick from, and we always talk about if you just pick from Illinois, Iowa, and Oklahoma, you could put together a team that could can pretty much compete against almost anybody nationally. So, yeah, the depth in Illinois is, is crazy. And, you know, like we're going to probably talk about him in a little bit here, but like Renneria, you know, was on that team in 2017. He came down with, you know, Austin O'Connor and his coach. There's, you know, like Will Lewan, you're talking about how good he is. I, I'm pretty sure he didn't even win state this year. That's right, right. Just insane, you know. Um, 
you know, you had guys like Noah Certain who, you know, won big matches and, you know, are now ranked like top six, eight in the country. It's the depth there is impressive for sure. And um, junior duels, you know, that stuff wasn't around when I wrestled. It's really fun to watch the teams kind of, they end up rooting for each other and kids from different side of the state pulling for each other. And I think it kind of, I think people like only watch high school state tournaments, um, you know, think, well, maybe these guys don't know each other. And like, you know, you, you, you really, you know, pointed out with the Teskey Thompson rivalry, those guys communicate via social media and, you know, that kind of thing. And there's almost no strangers anymore. You know, back when I wrestled, you know, you were just hoping to, you know, there was no video, all that kind of stuff. It's so different now. And I think these teams that are really good, the states that are really good, this isn't just about, well, let's help some guys get some matches and maybe get some scholarships. It's, no, we want to win this thing as a team, and that makes it a lot more fun to watch, uh, especially, you know, in the role, you know, pseudo-journalist that I get to play this weekend. Well, David, uh, yeah, you'll have a chance to watch all that down there. We're going to have more preview coverage for the junior duels coming up here in the next couple days on track wrestling. Uh, certainly a ton of coverage coming out of there, out of Tulsa with uh, Greco kicking off here on Wednesday and Thursday, Freestyle Friday, Saturday. Uh, So be on the lookout for that. David, as you mentioned, Jason Renneria. We're talking about him. We're talking about Patrick Kennedy. Heck of a uh, recruiting run that Iowa is on right now to pick up Cashman. Aaron Cashman, uh, Austin DeSanto. You look at uh, where they were here about four months ago and – People talking about what's the long-term solution for Iowa at 133 pounds. Well, the Hawkeyes went out and found three of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think they might be out of the 133 uh, campaign for a while. Yeah. They don't really have a lot of needs at, at many weights now. You talk about uh, Patrick Kennedy, 2020 prospect coming in, 65, 74-pounder. Uh, they're pretty well set up at, uh, I would say, about eight weights, eight, nine weights now for the long term. When you look at uh, – Spencer Lee, three more years of eligibility. Those guys at 33 and how they can stagger them uh, with potentially uh, – both of them still have red shirts. Renneri and DeSanto both have red shirts, so uh, you can stagger them and uh, potentially uh, bump uh, Max Murin up from 41 to 49 after Pat Lugo's career, uh, after his clock runs out. Uh, Caleb Young potentially dropping down to 57. Nelson Brands, Alex Marinelli – now Patrick Kennedy, uh, Michael Kemmer, we talk about him uh, maybe making the move up to 174. Uh, two returning NCAA qualifiers at 184 with Cash Wilkie dropping down. Jacob Warner, four more years of eligibility at 197. And then uh, Tony Cassiope stepping in at heavyweight. Uh, if you're a Hawkeye fan, you certainly hope that uh, uh, Sam Stoll uh, recovers from the news that uh, we heard Tuesday morning, uh, suffering an accidental gunshot wound early in the morning, having to uh, go to university hospitals there for non-life-threatening injuries for a gunshot wound to his knee, according to reports. So uh, uh, certainly our thoughts uh, with Sam Stoll on that one. He's uh, been through a lot already in his college career with uh, a couple of ACL tears and, and certainly wish him the best. Yeah, he's had kind of a hard luck career. I thought... 
Iowa did a great job of not over-wrestling him this year. And, you know, I remember he sat out against Hamida. And, you know, that makes it tough when you're doing rankings. But, you know, if, if I take my rankings hat off and put on my ex-coaching hat on, it made all the sense in the world. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, like you said, thoughts and prayers. We wish he's, you know, wish him a speedy recovery. Um, I like Renneria and his dad a lot. They're very entertaining guys to talk to. And, uh, you know, he feels like he's the shorter of the two between DeSantos. I mean, if he can get his weight under control, I think he could be a threat. You know, obviously he did really well against Del Vecchio and some guys like that. So we kind of know where his ceiling is or was at Nebraska. And then the Kennedy signing, uh, you know, I guess he grew up loving Iowa. So even though he was from Minnesota, the people that were in the know kind of, you know, knew that was probably where he was going to head the whole time. I think it's cool that he wanted to commit early and, and, you know, try to help Iowa gain some momentum. And so, you know, it feels like uh, the brands and Morningstar kind of got that train rolling a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And he comes from uh, Casson Manorville High School, Sam Stoll's alma mater there, Jamie Height, uh, Big Ten champion for the Hawkeyes uh, back in the Gable era, or actually the Zaleski era. Uh, early years uh, there, I think 1999, Big Ten champion. He's the head coach there at Casson Manorville. Uh, I've seen guys uh, go from that program uh, up to Minnesota. We've seen them come down to Iowa. Uh, Brady Berge at Penn State, also, also an alum there. Uh, so tremendous program that they have uh, up in southern Minnesota there. They're kind of in the uh, right in the crossfire there. Right, uh, southern Minnesota, you get uh, the battle lines blurred a little bit, bit there with uh, Iowa and Minnesota. So uh, uh, a recruiting battle there for uh, Patrick Kennedy that uh, Iowa comes out on top of there. Uh, also in the news in the last week, David, uh, something that might have caught some people by surprise, Willie Miklas transferring from Missouri to Iowa State. And Willie's a guy that uh, I've known for a while now, covered his entire high school career in Iowa, four-time state finalist, two-time state champion at Southeast Polk High School. Uh, unfortunate circumstances, David. He Willie told me back uh, at the South Beach Duels uh, what his dad was going through, his father Gary, diagnosed with ALS. Uh, actually, Willie had been... Uh, had known about it, the family had known about it uh, since uh, early in 2016. And, uh, you know, Willie talked about, when I had a chance to uh, talk to him about it, he talked about how he wanted to have the conversation with Brian Smith. And I was just kind of curious, like, how did that conversation go down? And, you know, what did Brian have to say about it? And Willie said that, uh, so we talked on the phone, which wasn't how I wanted everything to go down. He said I wanted to uh, sit in his office and, and talk with him. I just felt like it was important to have that conversation man-to-man, face-to-face. But uh, that ended up not being the case. And he said that uh, Brian Smith, of course, wanted him to stay in Columbia, finish his career with the Tigers, but he also understood and and respected decision. And uh, Willie said, he said Tiger style is more about, uh, or is about more than just wrestling. And if this is uh, what I feel I need to do in my heart, then he supports me and he'll help me any way he can. He said that it's important that we live Tiger style outside of wrestling as well and do the right things to help family and friends. He was really amazing about it, and I couldn't thank him enough. And, uh, boy, I kind of got chicken skin, as Willie was telling me what Brian Smith told him. And uh, just the uh, 
Oh, man, it's got to be hard for a coach that's uh, any coach to to lose a three time All American, let alone a, a program uh, uh, when when you're in the mix like Missouri is year after year. And Willie was such a valued team member there, but uh, man, he certainly he certainly understands the big picture here. I think you know you and I spoke about it off air. I think if it's possible to lose a guy from your program and actually gain credibility in the wrestling community. I think Brian Smith did it. And, you know, when I originally read about it, I thought, well, maybe this has something to do with Jaden Cox leaving. And so he was going to go up there and, and train with, you know, Willie or uh, Kevin Gadsden. And, you know, Brian Smith is, you know, I'm totally biased because I'm, I'm in St. Louis and grew up in Missouri, but I think he's the best program builder I've ever seen. He took a program that the other schools would send their JV to, and now he's beating those schools on a consistent basis. And he's done it with good recruiting classes, but never a ton of number one guys. And the number one guys he's gotten have panned out like a Jaden Cox and like a Ben Askren. So you obviously know Nicholas better than anybody in the journalism world. And the article, I really encourage people to read it. It was great. It was just, like you said, it was, you know, it's chicken skin and you know, I thought you did a great job as usual. And, you know, I, I wish Willie the best and obviously continue to wish Mizzou the best because um, it doesn't feel like there's any hard feelings there. And that's, that's pretty impressive on both sides. Yeah. And I, I asked Willie, I said, that's, you know, when you get a response like that from Brian Smith, that's gotta be reassuring with what you're doing here. And he said, yeah, it reassures me. I was in, in a good program said, I was in a really awesome program, and it reassures me that going home is what I, what needed to be done. He said, you can't buy more time when it's gone, and that's what my thought process was at the end of the day. I wanted to be home to have that time while I still can. Now he's an hour away from home rather than four hours. He can kind of come and go uh, you know, any night that he pleases, really, that uh, he wants to go back home, see his dad, see his family. Uh, I asked Willie, I said, uh, you know, we haven't really talked about Iowa State at all in this. And I said, was, you know, what kind of fit is it? Or, or, or did it uh, not even matter that you were going to go back? You know, if, if Northern Iowa was 45 minutes or an hour from home or Iowa or Nebraska, uh, you name it. Uh, he said, that's what it was. It was the, I was going wherever the closest program to home was. Uh, but he said there are some guys on that Iowa State roster that he knows well and likes, and he likes the coaching staff and uh, thinks it's going to be a good fit for him as well. So uh, Willie Miklas will wrap up his career as a Cyclone and a uh, good get for Iowa State. Big get for Iowa State. Gives them a very likely All-American. Obviously, you guys three for three, and that's what they need. And, you know, you move Colbray down 84, you bring Austin Gomez in, bring Marcus Coleman in, you have Jared Deegan back, and they're probably, you know, not going to go place in the top five or six of nationals, but they cert- they suddenly become a lot more respectable, uh, you know, after a year of have really having to just take their lumps. Well, we talked about the Renneria story coming full circle, uh, coming back to Iowa after he had committed to uh, the Hawkeyes in the beginning winds up decommitting, signing with Nebraska, spends his freshman year. Uh, same day that just or that Jason Renneria committed to Iowa, I think it was the same day or maybe the next day, Justin Mejia committed to the Hawkeyes as well. They were both sophomores. You thought uh, 
here are the Hawkeyes set up for a long time at those two light weight classes. Also knew that uh, Spencer Lee was potentially going to be in the mix there as well. And so when Iowa picks up Lee and Gavin Teasdale in 2016, then uh, months later, uh, Renneria and Justin Mejia are looking for new homes as well. So Mejia uh, winds up uh, changing his mind, going to Illinois. Then he changes his mind back on board with the Hawkeyes for momentarily, then winds up uh, – deciding he wants to go to Illinois after all. Now he's going to land at Fresno State, back home in California. Good get for Fresno State. For sure. Very talented kid, um, close to home, sort of mitigates the risk. Those guys that are close to home usually are more likely to make it. Um, long journey. And, uh, you know, but I think those guys having such a good, you know, two guys, in these final X's, I mean, it's, you know, they, they, that's undoubtedly something that's going to drive recruiting. And, and, you know, I used to, when I first looked at these RTCs, I kind of thought, well, the schools are really driving the RTCs. And it feels like in recent times that the RTCs are having a lot to do with helping the schools recruit and retain top quality kids. And I know we're going to get into this down the line, you know, maybe – after some of the dust settles in some of these big-time events. But with these new transfer rules, the RTCs become more and more important. I think we're already starting to see that with a kid like like Mejia, like you're saying. Well, David, Final X, State College in the books. Had some couple three-match battles there. Uh, Kyle Dake, David Taylor getting the monkey off their back as well, making their first world team. Shaping up to be quite another men's freestyle world team for the United States. What were your main takeaways from State College Final X? I think Zahid's going to be a real factor by 2020. Yep. Um, he's uh, he's not real heavy right now, so he's going to actually have to gain more weight. But I think they're going to bump him up and go, you know, lock him in the weight room. Uh you know, I felt like obviously Taylor had the easiest path, no disrespect to Nick Greenan, but, you know, a guy that wasn't even starting last year. It feels like we don't have a lot of depth at that weight right now, but then you kind of look at, well, who's going to move up and who might move down. And then all of a sudden in 2020, that weight gets really interesting. Uh, Logan Stever and McKenna, it kind of went the way I thought, but I loved, you know, the social media the stuff, how they, you know, supported each other and all the love that was there. And, you know, I think McKenna will now do the best he can to to help Logan get there. I thought it was cool. Logan, you know, brought Lou back in his corner. So, um, and then, you know, the Dake, Zahid matches, you know, sort of live by the sword, die by the sword. If you're Zahid, I mean, you got the lead and Dake really, you know, hadn't gotten to your legs very much. And then, you know, you get caught on a shot and end up losing off your own shot. I think Dake might be the best guy on our team if he has the lead. Uh, you know, I don't think he's the best guy in terms of catching up. That feels like that's Burroughs or uh, Snyder. But if he's got the lead, he's awfully, awfully difficult to score on. So if he can get out to the lead, you know, in, in those world matches, you know, you got to think – he's got a really good chance to cash those chips in. Yeah, I would say the same thing about Gilman too, right? I mean, we're just not seeing people get to his legs at all that uh, yeah. 
you know, if he can uh, put a two, three point lead up on the board where uh, he can dial it back, doesn't have to uh, shoot on people, or if he can just uh, finish his shots. Uh, yeah, they feel like they're different guys. Like Gilman absolutely, like he can get the legs more, but Diggs' defense, his counter offense, feels like it's a lot more dangerous. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. But they're both dangerous in in really tangible but different ways. And that's also, I think, one of the advantages of these world teams is I think these guys, you know, I think they play with techniques from the other guy. So, you know, techniques, strategy, tactics, all these things, especially the guys that are four or five weight classes apart, you know, like Thomas Gilman and Kyle Dake can share trade secrets and they're not too worried about them ever wrestling each other. So, you know, that becomes a, a, a huge advantage for both of those guys. And they're both students of the game. And, you know, Gilman talked about how he had to humble himself. And, you know, you could see Dake was excited, but, you know, he's got bigger things to come. And I think, like, the Dakes of the world, he, he's got to make a really interesting decision. Because, you know, if, depending on what happens at the 2018 Worlds, a guy like Taylor may or may not be sitting in whatever version of final X is happening in 2019, but you want to be the guy that made the world team in 2019 at the Olympic weight and try to medal. So you can sit in the Olympic trials. So it feels like Dave will either go up or go down next year. And it's really weird because he's, you know, he's won a match, but never a series off of Burroughs. But he's beaten everybody up, like Taylor, except Cox. And I don't know if Cox can make 86 on a two-hour weigh-in. And everybody's saying, well, he has to. Well, I know it's a long time ago, but when him and Snyder were the same age, they would just go back and forth in Fargo. One would win freestyle and one would win Greco. And they were always really close matches. So if there's one guy in our country that could probably give Snyder a really good go, it's Jaden Cox. So all of this stuff is super fascinating what's going to happen. And it's going to be kind of weird where there's going to be some guys, as much as they're going to root for the USA, may not want the guy at their weight class to do that well at the World Championships. It's absolutely going to be absolutely fascinating to watch how this all plays out. Well, I think the question for Kyle Dake and some of these guys in particular, like Kyle Dake especially, you know, do you do you look at the – weight class that gives you the best chance to make the Olympic Games, or do you look at the weight class that gives you the best chance to win the Olympic Games? They might not be the same. I think it's so funny. I talked to a top 10 Division One assistant coach, and he said, well, you got to go to the weight where you think you can win the Olympics. I'm like, it don't matter if you don't can't make the team. You know, like, the, both of the arguments have credibility, right? And, and you point out very astutely that in some cases that's not the same. You know, like a Nation Garrett, I don't, he's a big kid. I don't know if he can make 57, but if he can make 57, he feels like he'd be as strong as anybody at that weight class except maybe Gilman. I wouldn't think the strength difference would be that much. I mean, you're going to see some fascinating things. It's just eyeball tests, but I feel like James Green is going to have to go up in the Burroughs weight class because. He tried to go down, and I think he cut his weight as good as humanly possible. I just think he's too big of a human being for 143 pounds. So a bunch of these things are really going to be interesting. 
But the good news is for 2018, as you said at the top of this, the men's freestyle team is stacked, and one of the new weight classes have been added along with the other two non-Olympic weights. It works out really well for the United States. Absolutely. Three more spots to fill there, 61 kilos. It'll be Nashon Garrett or Joe Cologne, 92 kilos. Uh, Jaden Cox or Hayden Zilmer, and then 125, Nick Wazdowski or Adam Kuhn. David, those are going to be some pretty compelling matches Saturday night in Lehigh. Yeah, I think if you kind of go from least climatic to to most, I think Jaden is a heavy, heavy favorite against Zilmer. It feels like Zilmer can't get to his legs in the matches we've seen. So, I mean, I think he's the obvious pick. It kind of feels Kuhn like feels Chamberlain like- and Green a little bit. Uh, yes. Yeah, very much. Very, very much. It's a great analogy. Where um, it might not be, is, it might not be lopsided on the scoreboard, but you might not also feel like uh, one guy's ever in, <laughs> in, in danger of losing either. Yeah. And Jaden does so much motion. It's hard for him to get caution in one or shot clocks or those kind of things. So yeah, yeah I, that's a very, very accurate. Um, I think, you know, I think a lot of us, would be more likely to pick Kuhn if he wasn't going to be in Tulsa wrestling in Greco, the, you know, the day or two before. Uh, I think that's a very tough double dip, but he's made world teams, you know, in both styles at younger ages. Um, I think myself, I kind of had some recency bias where you only watch the guys that wrestle and maybe you forget how good these guys are. And, and Gwiz is a bronze medalist in a way where you accurately pointed out the world championships, the two guys that wrestled for gold, it might've been that best. I'll call it heavyweight, you know, cause it, that weight's been different, you know, different numbers at different times, but the best, you know, heavyweight freestyle final we might've ever seen in our lives. So I, I think I would pick Gwiz. The 61 kilo one is the one where I feel like, I think you just put two names in a hat and pick them out. I think if it's a fire fireworks show, I think it benefits Cologne because he's won those matches before. But there was a different version of Nation that wrestled Nico Megalutis in Minnesota. And you and I independently watched that match and then just bumped into each other. And we're like, man, if that guy wrestles like that, he's going to be a handful not only for Cologne but for a lot of other people where not a lot of unnecessary risks. This feels like a weight where there's a lot of guys that can score points but aren't great at stopping points like Seth Gross. Cody Brewer, these two, John Morrison, some of these guys, you know, they'll they'll sometimes give up two to try to score four. Um, Nation didn't give up anything and looked completely composed doing it. You know, wh- how do you see that one going? Well, I think uh, the thing that I'll have an eye on with that is how long are positions extended? Because if the if if the scores are quick and clean, I think that favors Nation Garrett. I think if positions get extended. I think that favors Joe Cologne. Yeah, like fast switch, slow slow twitch, really, kind of, right? Well, when I, I don't know that I characterize Joe Cologne as as slow twitch, but I think that there are are some you know Nation's capable of of scoring lightning fast and quick, clean, and before you know it, uh, two or four points are up on the board. Whereas. Uh, Joe Cologne can get uh, people in some positions that are pretty precarious and he can put up points. He can put up points in bushels too, but uh, they just kind of come in a little bit different fashion. And I think uh, uh, 
you know, we've seen him win some big freestyle matches as well. I think that both of those guys are, you know, powder kegs that can put up, uh, if, if, uh, there's 30 points on the board at the end of, uh, one of those matches or heck even both or three of those matches, it wouldn't stun me all that much just because of, uh, how potent that they are offensively and, you know, maybe that, uh, they need to, to anchor some things down on, on the defensive front as well. But, uh, the one thing you like is the fact that uh, with, with one of these guys going to the world championships, you know that uh, they're they're going to be able to go out and get points. How the question is is when they're outscoring points, are they they giving up giving them up just as quickly in the process? But uh, uh, I I do think that these guys are going to be really pivotal uh, for the United States in the quest to uh, win another team title. You know what? I agree with everything and just really want to emphasize the last statement you said, because, you know, everybody remembers Snyder, you know, winning and, and Burroughs winning, but literally every single match mattered in terms of the U S winning the team title. And, and you, you can't feel like, well, we're, they're going to win by more now. Like I don't think there's any reason to necessarily think that. And 61 is going to be a weight where the U S is not favored to medal, but if they can, you know, win, at least to the guy that, you know, makes it to the finals and, you know, comes to the repechage and either, you know, somehow medals or at least goes deep in that backside bracket. That can mean a lot of team points, which can make a difference for sure. Yep. Yep. So before we check out on final X state college, David, three uh, or a couple, three match uh, battles in women's freestyle that were pretty compelling there uh, with, Kayla Miracle and Mallory Velty. Mallory Velty taking the last two to win that series. And then uh, Rachel Waters, uh, terrific series with Aaron Colagio. Aaron Colagio winning the pivotal third bout, 4-4 on criteria, late score there. Those are fun to watch. Yeah, Rachel Waters, I don't really know much about her. She's really young. I think she's like 20. Yeah. Really impressive, like really composed. Um, I think what you're starting, maybe starting to see in the women's is some more depth, right? Like if if we as a country, I hate to say we when, you know, obviously I'm not doing anything to help those people, but <laughs> if we as a country are, you know, are starting to see where our best athletes, male or female, are being pushed, and then these athletes are succeeding in terms of either meddling we're coming very close to meddling at the highest level. And so, you know, the U S knows we have two hammers at this weight and then you try to get three hammers. That's usually where you see great results. Like, you know, Burroughs has been sort of the undisputed guy, but you correctly pointed out all the hammers he's had to beat just to keep that spot. Now it's just become blase to assume he will. But I mean, when you have to beat, you know, guys that the last four guys have, 15 finals appearances and one third out of their 16 all Americans. And I think nine first or eight first, you know, Jordan can't sit back. And the more that the women's uh, weights are starting to have depth like that, the more chances there are to have a Helen Marula's type of performance. And that the, the future has got to, I mean, the obvious statement is like a Rachel waters. Her future is so bright. I mean, she could wrestle through the 2028 cycle 
and you know only be 30 years old so that's that's crazy good for her well, on the women's front in Bethlehem, PA, Whitney Condor versus Victoria Anthony at 50 kilos, 53 kilos, Sarah Hildebrandt against Haley Augello. That ought to be a really good one. Uh, Hildebrandt mm-hmm. won out in Vegas, Augello, the Olympian and reigning world team member, and then Julia Salata, 65 kilos against Forrest Molinari. We will not see Helen Maroulis. She will have a special wrestle-off. Uh, due to injury, but we will see a bunch of true third matches to determine spots on the national team. Any final thoughts about about Final X Lehigh before we sign off, David? Uh, not to that, On that subject, I guess the only thing is I feel like if you won the U.S. Open, I don't know why you should have to wrestle for true third. You know, but... You know, I'm sure we'll probably talk about that, you know, a couple weeks when we summarize it. But it's a lot of travel for these guys, a lot of of weighing in. And most importantly, it's a lot of money that these RTCs are are being asked to pay. And there's no money coming to them from any source to compensate them for that. Any final thoughts before we sign off and send you on your way to Tulsa, David? Two quick things. Um... I had technical difficulties last week, but uh, I interviewed David Shooter from Truman State University, and he's they are the program was temporarily cut. Um, sort of the quick bullet points are he he has said if he has to, he's going to put up his own land, his own property to raise the money necessary to to bring back the program. They've given him a number. They are also leading in a fundraising. Uh, contest and the winner gets an additional ten thousand. I think the email he sent us, they were at like twenty three thousand. You can either go to Truman State Wrestling or you can just go to MissouriWrestling dot com and click on the Truman State link and support them. And it would mean a lot. Truman State's a really good academic school here in Missouri, and Shooter's a really good guy. Does things the right way, and. Uh, you know, really want to, you know, I'm very, very sorry. The technical part of it didn't work out because it was, it was a very insightful interview that he gave. Also, uh, on kind of a sad or not a sad note, Ed Piccola from New Jersey, um, passed away long time member of the wrestling community. Want to, want to pass our condolences on, on to him and his family. And then, um, want to say good luck to all the kids getting ready to go to the cadet world camp. Um, we got a, a St. Louis kid, Josh Saunders, heading out there who's, you know, very highly ranked. And I uh, just want to give a shout out to all those guys and their families, especially it's, you know, having formed a friendship with Josh and watching how many people poured their heart and souls into kids that age. Uh, you really do see how it takes a village for that kind of stuff to happen. Well, David, safe travels on the way to Tulsa. Enjoy your time down there. Absolutely. I appreciate you guys uh, sending me out there. We'll try to get some great interviews, and I'm sure the wrestling will be on point, as it always is that time of the year. Yeah, looking forward to that. Looking forward to all the wrestling on the horizon here for this coming week with Junior Duels, of course, Greco Trials, and the final leg of Final X. So uh, tune in for all of that stuff, and thank you once again for joining us on Weighing In. For David Mercatani, I'm Andy Hamilton. We will be back next week to recap all of this weekend's, this coming weekend's action on the mats.